good morning. Let me just get right into this. You know what really does not make me super happy or keen sometimes is generally I am a pretty pleasant person, upbeat, in a great mood because that's just how I am. I don't force it. I don't push it. It just is what it is and I go with it. So I think what happens is people get acclimated to hanging out with me or being around me and me always being in that sort of mood. And the complaint that I have about it is that when people get used to seeing you in a way for so long, if I have an off day or have an off time or something like that, they don't believe me. They don't fucking believe me. (laughs) You have an off day? You feeling shitty? No way. You're never shitty. You're always in a happy mood. Yes, I'm also not a robot. You know, sometimes I'm tired too. Sometimes shit bothers me. Sometimes I got stuff on my mind. And sometimes I do get bothered by little things. And that typically happens if I'm in a zone or in a mood. And, uh, you know, it tends to happen more when I'm not feeling the greatest because my body just doesn't have energy. You know what I mean? So I tend to be a little bit more emotional than I normally would. And I'm cool with that. But the thing that I cannot stand is other people aren't cool with that. So they'll be like, oh, cheer up. Oh, this. Oh, that. And then I'm like, I don't really want to talk to you now. Because I need a space to be me and to just let this shit pass. I'm not going to cram it down to make you comfortable Because you're uncomfortable that I'm not in a good mood. If you don't want to deal with my good mood, just don't talk, or with my bad mood, sorry, or my whatever you want to call it, just don't talk to me. I'm okay with that. In fact, I would rather be left alone if you're not going to listen to me when I'm telling you I'm not in a good mood and you're going to keep saying, oh, cheer up, oh, this, oh, that, like I don't know that that's where I want to be or that's where I'm trying to go mentally. You know, that shit drives me crazy, right? Other people don't want to be uncomfortable because you're not in a good mood. And that's their cue to leave. But instead, they're going to tell you to cheer up. And maybe most people need a little bit of boost and need to be told to cheer up. Hey, cheer up, girl, cheer up. Not me, though, because I just, I generally don't like being in a not good mood. So that compounds on top of me not being in a good mood. And if I'm a little bit under the weather, as I am now, I just have no energy to to do what I need to do mentally to get to a place where I'm like, just, just relax, just cheer up. So what I really want to do is I'm, I'm it, it just continues to exhaust me throughout the day. And then I want to come home and I want to go to bed and I want to talk to nobody. Thank goodness I have that option. It's really nice. Um, Because you need it sometimes. Sometimes it's just like whatever I, I could potentially hear from someone that is going to annoy me, I'm not in the mood for. I'm just going to go to bed. I'm not. I'm done. I'm done for the day. Because people are telling me how I feel or should feel. I'm trying not to puke a bad mood out at anybody. I'm just trying to keep to myself and keep quiet. And people are trying to like, hey, make jokes and be nice and stuff. When I've indicated that I'm just not in the mood. Please, I'm just not in the mood. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, it's so nice being around people I can get hugs from because sometimes I tell you, Ooh, just no, just no. It's a big nope. It's one giant nope. The other thing I find very challenging and just all around annoying is people's failure to understand when you don't want to engage with them over this or that. Look, we're adults. If somebody does not want to talk to you about something, they don't want to talk to you. They're allowed to pick how they want to spend their time, what they want to talk about, who they would like to talk about it with, and dealing with your butt hurt because I do not want to engage with you. Yikes, I'm not going to do it. You know what I mean? But it is funny how people do get butt hurt. Not saying I haven't, not saying I don't. But you know, you know how that goes. <laughs> Maybe you don't. But I seem to have this issue where, hey, uh, I directly say I don't want to talk about this. I'm not interested in this. I don't want to talk about this. Often I have this problem with this particular thing. Therefore, I don't want to talk about it. It goes nowhere. It's not a good discussion. It's not enjoyable for me to engage in. I'm no longer interested in the topic. If you're interested, that's good for you but perhaps find somebody who is interested in talking about what you want to talk about. Because I am not, especially when my schedule is very time-sensitive and I'm very limited on time, as it is. It's weird. People will come at you and leave you just these long screeds of messages, and you're just like, oh, my God. I'm not even going to read this. I'm going to see how large it is. I'm going to catch a bit of a tone from it because I'll find a few keywords that stick out and I'm just going to be rolling my eyes and then trying to just let it go and not even, not even bother. It's something that's happened to me quite a few times where people feel the need to come here and just leave long ass comments and that's fine. You do that. You do you, boo. Whatever makes you happy and whatever makes you comfortable, you go ahead and you do it. And I shall continue to do what makes me comfortable and do what I like. <sighs> but back to my original point of like, sometimes I feel like I just can't be in a mood, in a moody place, in, a, in kind of a, a place that I'm not usually in. And I find that really fucking annoying. And then I don't want to spread a bad mood. It's not something I'm interested in. If I'm in a bad mood, I tend to try and keep that to myself. You know, if I'm tired, particularly tired to a, to a, in a, blah, 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 blah. tired enough to where it's affecting me, where I just don't want to spend energy doing anything. <sighs> I am not a robot, though I do malfunction from time to time. That's what it feels like. It feels like when I'm in a bad mood, I'm already looking at it as a malfunction. I myself am not a big fan of the whole idea of not feeling the plain old me that I am. Happy and in a good mood is where I like to be. And the thing about my blah or shitty moods is that it's congruent to how high 
my good moods are. You know, if my good mood's at a 10, or let's say my good mood buzzes at an 8 most of the time. When I get to a bad mood, it's going to drop down to an 8 because I'm not in that great place that I'm usually in. So I'm going to feel like super bad because I'm not super good (laughs) as I usually am. So I try and manage, but nothing drives me more crazy than actually telling someone, hey, I'm having an off day. Um, just so you know, that bit of information should then cause you to act in a way that's not going to perturb that bad mood further. And again, if you are going to tell me I don't have off days, I'm going to get pissed. I just am. You're telling me that I don't know myself and I'm feeling this thing right now. Yo, fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you're trying to whatever you're doing here bullshit. You're trying to be nice to me, but really you're pissing me off. I don't appreciate it. I'm telling you this information for a reason. Because I want you to be sensitive to it. So you understand, hey, leave me alone. Leave me the fuck alone. Jeez. I don't want I don't want your hey, cheer up. I don't want your hey. Maybe you need to lighten up, Amy. Fuck off. I'm lightened up 98% of the time. I'm not feeling well. I don't have energy for this shit. Can you please not just expect me to snap out of a fucking mood? You know, sometimes there are people you talk to who put you in a better mood. You know what I mean? But I know when I have a little bit of wiggle room for that. But when I'm just exhausted and tired because of sick, that stuff does not help me. It really just makes me feel like you're not listening. And again, it's a very frustrating thing for me because I know generally I'm in a pretty good mood. So people come to expect that regularly from me. They don't believe when I have a bad mood. And I'm just repeating myself now, but I can't stop running the circle through my head because it's just annoying to me. Let me have an off day, all right? I just want to chill. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> Anyways, let me move on. I saw this article yesterday that I just thought was the most gross thing in the world. And I don't, I just, I don't know. I I don't know. There's, There's some really weird shit going on in the culture that the New York Post, whatever. That's not obviously not the Times or anything. But I, I saw this and I was just like, well, fucking duh. Kobe Bryant's wife, Vanessa, can't finish a sentence without crying. Why would you even write about that? Is that even necessary? Of course she's going to be upset. Her husband and her daughter just fucking died. Or is this is baby mama? I don't know. I don't know what the situation is. But regardless, regardless, she just lost her husband and her child. Of course she's going to be upset. And it's so sad to take somebody's emotional upset and like the grieving that they're going through. And sharing it like it's some kind of, it's just tacky and gross. As much as I don't agree with the idea of celebrity worship or thinking celebrities are something other than human beings because they're not, doing this to someone is just not nice. It's just so gross. Oh my God, she's sad. 
It's so sad to see her churning that, just pushing that emotional button for clicks is really gross. I understand that's what the whole industry is, news and all of this. It's all about just jacking people's emotions up and getting your attention. But it's really starting to get gross, or it's certainly starting to show to me as gross. It's always been kind of gross. It's getting a little bit more gross and it's an unfortunate aspect of our culture that we have to sit here and watch people be paraded out like this. You know, they need to be left alone. They need to have their time. But who am I to say, I guess? Who the fuck am I to say? I'm just a big old glass of nope today. And I don't want to talk to nobody. I just want to express some anger and move on with my day. And hope that this helps, but, huh, (sighs) maybe not, maybe, I don't know, who knows, my brain is half fried, you know when you're starting to get a little bit sick and you're just in denial, I'm in denial phase so heavy right now, so heavy, I've been feeling this lump in my, like, not in my throat, in my chest, like, Where upper respiratory shit starts. Everyone at work yesterday was like, do you have corona? No, I don't have corona. I wore a mask too. It was so funny because we've got these N95 masks. They're dust masks, but they're probably the best ones to wear. So those dinky ass masks that Chinese people wear around when they're sick or they think they're around somebody who's sick, they do fuck all. They don't do anything. There are six different kinds of masks that are pretty um, common that you see people wear. I know this is hilarious. I can't believe I'm talking about masks right now. But the one that I got from work is actually the best one. It, It covers, you can like pinch the top on your nose and it completely covers your mouth. And, you know, if you feel like you're getting sick, might be good to wear that because I really don't want to get anybody sick if I'm going to work or anything. Surprisingly, you know, um, denial works to a certain degree because it's gotten me through the last two days and it's been really up and down where I wake up in the morning and I feel pretty good. And as the day progresses, there's like a dip in my energy level and then it just boosts a little bit. And then by the end of the night, I got home yesterday and I just had zero energy for anything. Shower, bed, done. I don't care about anything else right now. I was just so focused on getting in here and just getting to bed. I was thinking, maybe I'll sleep in in the morning. Maybe that's something that I can do. But no, I woke up before my alarm went off and I was like, "Mm, I'm going to force myself to sleep. I'll wake up at the next alarm. 4.45 comes around and here I am. Have a cup, make a cup of coffee and jump on the computer and talk and get this vile shit off my chest and deal with it. I'm fairly happy this morning just because I had mailed a package to England and it has been received. Yay. I always find it super cute when things travel such long distances and reach their destination because I've had a couple of problems with mail not reaching the destination. Oddly enough, when I actually got tracking for it, or no, I didn't get tracking for it. Anyways, whatever the case was, 
<sighs> I'm glad some things are working out. <laughs> today, though, today I have a decision to make on whether I want to work out. Today, I don't know if I'm going to be in a good or a bad mood. I'm feeling a lot better now that I've just kind of spewed out garbage from my mind, but who knows? The day started off great yesterday and I was in a great mood. And then it just went, and I was like, why, 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 why? I don't want to, why, why, why? Luckily, it was just me and my partner yesterday and the warehouse was empty. So we were just working away, working away. <sighs> mm. Yanni, yanni, yanni. Anyways, I feel like I should stop talking now. I bitched about people, these New York Post people just ugh, so tacky. Imagine if you were upset that your husband died and then it was in like the local paper. Oh my God, she can't stop crying because her husband died. Like, gosh, you guys really have nothing to write about. There's really nothing going on. It is really just kind of a machine, you know, that needs to keep churning something out because if it doesn't, it'll probably just fall into irrelevance. And that's what the fear is with a lot of these online publications and all these newspapers and all this stuff is you got to just have content continuously in order to appease your audience and make sure they have something to continuously click on more for obviously your benefit but geez geez people can easily find anything to talk about it's true I mean we can all do that if we want to but I don't know. I feel like the content suffers clearly if you're just trying to get things out for the sake of getting them out. I wonder if that even matters. Maybe not, because generally people like to be distracted from the shit they should not be distracted from. You know, like feeling a bad mood when you have it so that it doesn't just accumulate in the background and then bam, one day... You're losing your shit because your emotions have reached a bottleneck. And then you're going to take it out on everybody else. I don't know if that's a <clears throat> negative or positive way to deal on my part yet. You know what I mean? Where I'm, if I get into a mood where I know I just can't control it, I really don't want to talk to anybody. I really just am not in the mood. And again, it's, it's mostly to just protect myself or shield myself from being further annoyed by being told something I don't want to hear, you know? Again, your comfort is not something I give a shit about when I'm in a bad mood. So you coming at me, once I've already advised you of how I feel and telling me I need to get over it and cheer up, bad strategy, yo, bad strategy. And sometimes that does work. That's why it's a little confusing. It does, depending on who it is I'm talking to. But when I know it's not going to, mm -mm, I can't. I can't be bothered. I can't. Sometimes I don't even think about it, you know? Like, I was just, all I was doing yesterday was, oh gosh, I just can't wait to get home. I can't wait to get home. This is what I'm going to listen to on the way home. And then I'm going to get home. And then I'm just going to do what I got to do. And here I am running the circle again. So maybe what I should do is read a psychology article. Okay. Because uh, 
That's where my mind is stuck. And I obviously need some sort of distraction. And you know me. I love psychology. That's a good place to be. Maybe it'll calm me down. Let's, let's do this. Uh, that's so funny. That reminds me of years ago when I talked to Joe Live Life. Ha <laughs> ha, that was so funny. Anyways, neuroscience study finds amygdala activity is related to bullying behaviors in adolescents. Interesting. Overactive amygdala or what? I guess we'll find out. Stay tuned. Teens who bully their peers tend to display a different pattern of brain activity in response to certain facial expressions, according to new research published in Social Cognitive and Effective Neuroscience. The findings shed light on the neurological underpinnings of bullying behaviors and could help lead to new interventions to combat bullying. I don't know if combating bullying is necessarily a good thing. I feel like this is just a part of being an adolescent and growing up and being around kids. I mean, we do that to another to a different degree as adults. You know what I mean? I feel like to some degree bullying is kind of necessary for some people to get them to just stand up, give them an opportunity to stand up and overcome it and not be somebody who is bothered by the bully, by truly the person who is really insecure. And needs to put people down to elevate themselves to make them feel better. Having a better understanding of a bully can really help someone deal with a bully. A bully is a weak person generally. You know what I mean? But bullying also has its place. Maybe bullying isn't the correct word. Um, but as a blanket term, that's what I'm going to use at the moment, okay? <clears throat> Let me have a sip of coffee first, though. All right. Bullying is fairly common during adolescence, with about 25 to 50% of teenagers in the U.S. reporting that they have bullied or been a victim of bullying, says study author Jonna R. Swartz, an assistant professor at the University of California, Davis. We also know that being a bully or victim of bullying is associated with poor mental health. I was interested in examining how measures of brain function, function relate to bullying or being a victim of bullying so we could better understand which factors may contribute to higher likelihood of these outcomes. Swartz and her colleagues were particularly interested in a brain region known as the amygdala, which plays a key role in emotional processing and responding to threats. The researchers used functional magnetic resonance imaging, fMRI. Oh no, stop. Um, where am I? The researchers <clears throat> used fMRI to examine amygdala activity in 49 adolescents as they completed an emotional face-matching task. They found that adolescents who reported engaging in more relational bullying behaviors, such as purposefully excluding a peer or spreading rumors, tended to display higher amygdala activity in response to angry faces and lower amygdala activity in response to fearful faces. Higher amygdala activity to angry faces could suggest that these teens are more sensitive to signals of anger from other people, while lower amygdala activity to fearful faces could suggest that their brains are less responsive responsive to signals of distress which could lead to lower empathy when bullying victims hmm 
I wonder how this works on the internet, because there's none of this face stuff, you know what I mean? The higher amygdala activity to angry faces could also lead teens to perceive more hostility in their social interactions, whereas the lower amygdala activity to fearful faces could lead to lower empathy, and this combination seems to be associated with more bullying behavior. These results can help us to understand what may make some teens more likely to bully their peers. The researchers also found that lower amygdala activity in response to angry faces and lower amygdala activity in response to fearful faces were both associated with lower levels of victimization. But the study, like all research, includes some limitations. A major caveat of the study is that the design was cross-sectional, meaning that amygdala activity and the measures of bullying behavior were collected at the same point in time. This means it is unclear whether these patterns of brain activity may have led to increased likelihood of bullying or whether being a bully leads to these changes in brain activity. Future research could use longitudinal designs with measures across several occasions to test whether these patterns of brain activity predict bullying behavior or whether engaging in more bullying behavior predicts changes in these patterns of brain activity over time. If longitudinal research confirms that these patterns of brain activity predict increases in bullying behavior over time, results from the study could have implications for new ways to reduce bullying behavior in the future. I have no idea where I'm at on reducing bullying behavior. Maybe it's the degree to which bullying behavior is something that I would look at. Just because I was bullied when I was younger, and I gotta say, probably one of the best things that happened to me, because I grew up as an adult who can handle a lot of bullying, I guess, or what people would consider bullying now, um, that people get sensitive to, you know, I I don't care anymore. But that attitude towards it came from being bullied from a number for a number of years, through the most difficult time period, which is high school, which was high school for me. So I don't know about that. I don't know about that. This is interesting. Reducing bullying, I don't even think, is something that can occur. I just feel like this is what people do. Especially teenagers and kids. But I mean, just look at the internet. Just look at how people behave, right? (laughs) Hmm. And bullying is almost always something that people who want to appear strong due to somebody who is way weaker than them in so many obvious ways. Look, if you're somebody who picks on somebody who's way weaker than you in whatever metric you want to use to somehow elevate yourself, you're a loser. You're just a loser. If you're doing that shit as an adult... Oh, it doesn't look good. Not a good look, dude. Not a good look. Quite gross. It can certainly be entertaining, though. You know, sometimes we do watch some of these people make fun of people. But depending on who it is now, I just there's some things that are just real gross. Let's continue with this next part. It's almost done. For example, the finding that higher amygdala activity to angry faces predicts more bullying behavior suggests that training teens' attention away from angry faces or teaching teens to interpret ambiguous facial expressions in less hostile ways could be potential methods for reducing bullying. 
The more we understand about how patterns of brain activity and the way we process social cues relates to bullying and victimization, the better we'll be able to intervene to reduce bullying and victimization in teens. So the thing is, um, I, I like the idea of not interpreting an ambiguous facial expression as a hostile one. But the thing about the way that we interpret facial expressions and translate them into some sort of mood or vibe or emotion that we can kind of understand is we're very, very sensitive to people's facial expressions. That's why even psychopaths can't really hide themselves um, when you see their faces. But a lot of them are very good at mimicking and mirroring other people's facial expressions or facial expressions of the emotion that they want to convey. So they have a difficult time being read and are hard to read. But a normal person will say, some people just have a look on their face. I think your face eventually twists up over time, especially into the mood that you generally are, you know, (laughs) it sounds kind of funny, right? But you see some people who have like a very grumpy, they're very kind of grumpy and a little bit cunty. You see that in their face, their their face sort of twists up. Whereas people who are generally warmer or or nicer, or you feel kind of have have a little bit more warmth to them like they generally have elevations in certain part of their facial structure and and their eyes will kind of look like they're smiling and the 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 shape of all that stuff and the way it comes together will give you a, a certain energy I guess is the word that I can only think to use right now that's a real thing and there's a reason we are incredibly attuned to people's faces and it's because generally people it's very difficult for people to lie when they look at your face that's that's something about me that's a little bit challenging I'm a real shit liar man I can't do it so I just try not to (laughs) I just try not to because if I do it's going to be obvious you can see it in my eyes I just start kind of I get nervous. I get a little anxious. I look as though I am lying. I look as though, and you can tell that I'm just, there's something off. And if I'm lying, it's because I'm lying and that's where I'm off. But yeah, bullying is interesting in the sense that I don't think it's something that will be reduced. Um, even, Even with interpreting certain facial expressions, I think that it's something that's just going to be a part of Growing up, it's something that happens as an adult. And the only real way to learn how to deal with it is to kind of go through the motions of it. I mean, it sucks at the time. And depending on the severity of the bullying, it can certainly cause damage long term. I mean, like, my I feel like I was bullied by my parents in a sense. You know what I mean? That is more important than like some asshole kid at school who's just going to be mean that you just got to expect. But self-esteem isn't built through everybody telling you you're fucking awesome all the time and that you're great and that whatever, whatever, whatever. Sometimes you, you need to be tested in a way that's going to make you push yourself into being a way you wouldn't normally be. But I do digress. Maybe we have time for another. Shall we? Shall we try? See how long this is. Is it very long? Oh, it's pretty long. All right. 
Let's do this. Distance affects what makes you feel good or bad. Feeling satisfied with what you have is more complicated than you think. Ugh, I feel like it's really not. But let me read anyway. In order to determine whether something is good or bad, you need to compare it to something else. Is a dictionary with 10,000 entries in it good or bad? It depends. It is good compared to a dictionary with only 5,000 entries, but not compared to one that has 25,000 entries. Comparisons also play a big role in your satisfaction with what you have. Sometimes people compare what they have to what they themselves have had in the past, which leads people to be satisfied if they are better off now than before, or dissatisfied if they are worse off. Often, though, people compare what they have to what other people have. That's something I kind of tried to kick myself out of the habit of doing, comparing myself to other people and what they have. Um, I don't find that that helps. It's a good way to kind of figure out what I want, though, if I'm like, I like what that person has and I want it, then I'll understand that there's something I got to do to get it. But it's not, they have something I don't have and now I'm unhappy. My brain's like, how can I get that? How can I attain that? How do these social comparisons affect satisfaction? An interesting study by Daniel Yudkin, Nero Lieberman, Cheryl Wozlak, and Yakov Trope in a 2020 volume of Organizational Behavior and Human Decision Processes looks at how people make these comparisons. This paper looks at how distance affects satisfaction. Much research on construal level theory points out that the more distant you are from something in time, space, or socially, the more abstractly you think about it. That is fucking incredible. I love that. This is my relationship in a nutshell. The farther it is away in time and space or socially, the more abstractly you think about it. And I do think about my relationship, my long distance relationship in a more abstract way because I have the t- that time, space and distance to do that. Anyways, for this reason, we tend to think about people who live in a far-off country as if they are all fairly similar, but we recognize all the individual variation of people who live in our hometown. The researchers suggested that when you compare what you have to what someone else has, you may focus either on high-level or low-level features of it. For example, suppose you are asked to do a reading assignment. You might focus on a high-level quality of of it, like how interesting it is. You might also focus on specific details about about it, like how long it will take to complete. Constable level theory suggests that being distant might focus you on a general property, like interestingness, while being close up might focus you on the length of time it will take to complete. In a series of studies, participants were told about a second person who was either similar to them in some key way or dissimilar. This served as a manipulation of distance. For example, in one study, participants in a lab filled out a survey of likes and dislikes. Then they were shown a survey that was supposed to have been filled out by a person in another room. In fact, there was not actually another person. This was just a manipulation by the experimenters. The survey showed either that the other person had similar or dissimilar likes and dislikes. Participants shown a survey with similar likes and dislikes rated themselves as more similar to the other person than those shown a survey with similar likes and dislikes likes and dislikes when they repeat words over and over again sometimes it just becomes like this spiral and so I just mash the words together so (laughs) then 
These participants were told that they had to do a reading assignment of an article that looked moderately interesting, a high-level feature, and would take about eight minutes to complete a low-level feature. They were also told about the assignment given to the other participant. The assignment given to the other participant was either better on the high-level feature, it was more interesting but would take longer to read, or better on the low-level feature, it was less interesting but would take less time to read. Participants had to rate how satisfied they were with the reading they were given. When participants thought they were similar to the other person, then they focused on the low-level feature. They were more dis they were more satisfied when their reading was shorter, though less interesting, than when it was longer, though more interesting. When participants thought they were dissimilar to the other person, they focused on the high-level feature. They were more satisfied when their reading was more interesting, though longer, than when their reading was less interesting, though shorter. That is, distance completely reversed people's sense of satisfaction with the readings. A similar pattern was obtained in several other studies that used different manipulations of the sense of distance between the participant and the other person and also looked at different types of items like movies given as prizes where the high-level feature was the overall rating of the movie and the low-level feature was when the prize would arrive, or restaurant coupons won in a raffle, where the high-level feature was the quality of the restaurant and the low-level feature was how many dates were available for the coupon to be used. In each case, participants' ratings of satisfaction were more influenced by the low-level feature when they thought they were similar to the other person and more on the high-level feature when they thought they were dissimilar to that person. These results are interesting because our satisfaction with what we have is driven both by who we choose to compare ourselves to as well as the distance between that person and ourselves. That means that if you are dissatisfied with an outcome, you might want to compare yourself to someone else and see if that changes how you feel about what you have. You might also want to focus more on comparing yourself in the present to yourself in the past rather than comparing yourself to someone else. I totally agree with that. I mean, competing with other people, I've never really understood. You know, competing with myself is much better. It's going to be way better for me in the long run because it means I'm always going to be better than who I am now, you know? Uh, don't ya know? That's how it goes, yeah. Right? Right. So, that did definitely make me feel a little bit better. Ah, very, very nice. <laughs> Thanks for letting me get that off my chest. Sometimes that's a garbled mess, you know? Sometimes I don't understand why that happens, but... At the same time, of course it's going to happen. Of course, if I'm feeling super tired or not feeling super well or feel like I'm getting a cold, I'm not going to have the greatest energy and I'm not going to be in a, the bright bubbly mood that I'm used to or that people are used to being around me in. But the thing to note about when someone is in a bad mood is sometimes if, you, if the cheer up angle doesn't work or... You know, just you being in denial that sometimes somebody who's always in a good mood or generally in a good mood is not in a good mood. If that bothers you, just don't talk to them. Because I got to tell you, it's very frustrating sometimes. It's like you're telling me I'm stupid and cannot pull myself out of something. Bitch, I've pulled myself out of so many things so many times and you bet your ass I will pull myself out of this. I just don't like to force fuck shit into being. Sometimes it needs to work itself out. And that's all right. It's not the biggest deal. You're allowed to have a day. You're allowed to have a couple days. If it's any longer than that, try and talk about it. Figure something out. But it's, it is all right. 
to be in a mood sometimes, okay? I need to give myself the green light to feel like that because I just feel like sometimes people tell me or, or are communicating to me that you should not be in a bad mood. Why are you in a bad mood? You are simply saying this to me because it makes you uncomfortable that I am not in a good mood or in a place where you can hang out with me or talk to me or be around me right now because I'm just a little bit uncomfortable, okay? You don't have to deal with that. Always remember, you never have to deal with somebody's mood. You can always leave. You can always say bye and let it go. And if they want to talk to you, they will come to you. They will come for you. It's that simple. Okay. Anyways, yellow monkeys, I hope you have a great day today. And uh, it was nice chatting with you. Guess what? It's almost February. Holy shit. Holy shit, man. What's going to happen now? Well, all the Valentine's Day stuff is out. And, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Valentine's Day is super gay, by the way. (laughs) But I'm definitely going to buy everybody at work those dinky little Valentine's Day cards that we used to get each other in elementary school. The last time we got them, I got Winnie the Pooh. And they were cute. And that was, I think, like, maybe the eighth grade or the ninth grade. Yeah, it'll be fun. Anyways, guys, have a good one. We'll chat soon. Thanks for listening. Get a hold of me. Stuff's in the description box. Yada, yada, yada. Okay, bye.